Hello Team Builder. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Chris Cabert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hello, Michelle. So good to see you here at Training Wheels headquarters. Hi, Chris. We, we get to, we are so, I enjoy, I think, a lot more being face-to-face. -face. Yep. Uh, half, half the time because I love to come and see what's down in your basement and <laughs> all your toys, all your new toys and all the things that are going on. Things are still busy for you. Very. Yeah, yeah. still busy. Uh, we're recording a couple episodes in a row, and you know we, we know Michelle's been traveling on the road. Um, what's Maybe let's share what's, what's new in your family that's oh. coming up. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. We, yeah there's, we, a, there's a transition in the Cummings household. Yeah, so I have a 17 and 19-year-old, Dawson and Dylan, two boys. And Dawson, our 19-year-old, um, he was... He graduated high school during the pandemic, which was total super bummer because it just was kind of a weird, le you know, end to your educational career as a kid, right? And so this last year he did Zoom college, right? He still lived at home. And so this, he's now made the announcement and the decision that he's going to move out, you know, and go and be closer to campus, not on campus, but closer to campus for when he goes to school. So we will have... That big transition for our family coming yeah, up here. Yeah, first so, one out of the house. Yep, first one out of the house. Yeah. And then I just have Dylan, who will be a senior this year. And so we just, we only have, you know, Another 10, 11-ish months before we are empty nesters. As far as you know. As far as I know. As right? far exactly. as you know. Yeah, we never can really tell. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of those, uh, the same relational things that you have in your life. So I was trying to think of, hey, what's new and in my family life mm -hmm. really just pretty copacetic and yeah pretty just i have just a nice peaceful lifestyle at the moment so enjoying that mm -hmm. i'm sleeping a lot more um <laughs> with my new full-time job it's definitely uh has a little more energy consumption mm -hmm. so I sleep a lot more right That's now. Good. I look forward to weekends. Yeah. Where it's been a really long time. I haven't had weekends. So that's kind of cool. And then on my weekends, I just kind of do, you know, record podcasts, edit podcasts, edit blogs, you know. So then it's kind of fun little things and, and reading the books I like to read. Yeah, so, nice. yeah, but, so things are... We're both just flying along, yeah, doing what we like to do, doing mm -hmm. what we love to do. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I have been putting it like my training weeks, my work days are I like most weeks right now are booked with four to five days a week of eight hour training. So that's my schedule's very full. So my evenings yeah. are usually spent in a hotel room or an Airbnb and catching up on email and whatnot and then promptly going to bed quickly because I have found I have lost my training legs. Yeah. No <laughs> you know, kidding. those those legs no I used kidding. to stand on for eight hours at a time and it was not an issue. Well gosh, yep. now I've been sitting for eight hours at a time here and there because, you know, Zoom everything for the last year and a half. So yep. so anyway, getting my training legs back has been um, a little bit more tiring than what I anticipated. I don't know. I kinda knew it was coming, but yeah. But uh, we're all getting back in there. Well, we're we all have to find our training legs now. now yeah, we're back out and about. Uh, we talked at the beginning. I had this idea uh, on one of my nice commute drives. I have an hour-ish commute every day, 
uh, back and forth, you know, hour there, hour back. But I, I get a lot of thinking in, and I thought, you know, I've I've been doing this new way to do a spider web that I just am so excited about. And Michelle's got a, a new way she's been doing something that uh, she enjoys. And I thought, you know, let's let's come up with a little category. We're calling this reinvigorating classics and this will be our volume one mm -hmm. and it's to me it, we're looking at things where we can uh, revitalize something that's been around for a while and give it some new energy some new juice yeah. I think we we had another episode that we talked about variations of things right. a little bit but I really I wanted to go into this deep dive uh, I'm gonna do a blog post at the fun doing blog so we'll connect it in the show notes so that there's, you see the details and even a handout. I think there'll be a little download if we needed uh, some ideas. We'll see how that goes, but we'll put more details in. But I want to explain that one, and then you can explain the one that you like yep, doing. Yep, that sounds Excellent. great. Excellent. Uh, I call this, what am I calling? My new name for it is called Count Me In. And it, you use a spider web, either portable or a permanent spider web. And if you if you are unaware of the spider web, it's basically if you think of a ginormous spider that made a web and it has large enough openings for human bodies to go through. Right. It's kind of what we call the spider web. It's now in a vertical form, and people are using horizontal right. spider yep. webs. We carry they're, both in the online in the training wheels online store. Yeah, they're making the. It's just a different kind of process, but you're going through openings with with uh, a minimal amount of rules you know you can only some people only can use one hole at a time uh, or one hole per person mm -hmm. uh, every, everybody's got to go through something you know so there's a lot of different ways to uh, lead the spider web this is now something that I, I've used I trained some facilitators to use this and we did this three different times recently and got some good data about how to use it and I really like it. It lasts, we have 45 minute rotations. So it can mm. last up to 45 minutes. So it's a real nice process of goal setting, uh, trial and error. Uh, we jump right into SpiderWeb. Most of us are very used to teaching people how to do lifting and levitation okay. before we do that. So there could be a process if you've done this before you, you go through this whole front-loading part about taking care of each other, how we lift properly, how we take care of people when we lift them, how we set them down, how we're careful with them. All good stuff and, and still in this new uh, way that I do it, it happens, but it's now a little more self-directed by the group. So here's how it works. Whatever spider web that you have, you're gonna want enough openings that have variations in sizes. And then what you have to do pre-activity, you have to make what I call a scoring map or a points map. Mm, okay. We'll probably call it a points map. I like that one. It's a little, a little more compact. So a points map. So now I have drawn out on a piece of paper uh, the exact, uh, the exact, uh, what would we say the the look of your spider web. Okay. So you have like a something, template. a template of yeah. your spider web. So your group could look at this map and they, they could see that it's the, the web that they're looking at. Okay. And then I assign points to each opening. Ooh, I like that. All right. Then the smaller openings, whether they're high or low, 
are worth more points. So for example, I usually, uh, smaller openings are worth 400 points. I give like Ooh, a 400. big high score because that's going to come into play with this new way that we've been playing okay. and it's pretty cool. Um, so then I'm mapping it out. Uh, smaller holes are 400. Uh, bigger holes are maybe a hundred points. Okay. Holes that they could just step through. Okay. And not even sure. and not worry about. It. They could do it by themselves. Where smaller holes, not pretty much not possible to do by yourself. You're going to have to get some help in some sort of way. So this this is how it works. I'll have this map ready. I've now done digital maps. So this last program I created a digital map, so it looks really slick. Hmm. And I put the points map that we're calling yeah points map points map at the top and space at the bottom. And then I have a clipboard, or the facilitator that I trained has a clipboard. And then as soon as the group comes in, we say, okay, here's the spider web. And the objective is to everyone to get through from this side to the other side. And by doing so, you'll gain points for your team. Mm -hmm. right? And then you show them the map, and you say to your group, you say, this, we would like you, before you attempt this first scoring attempt, you're going to want to give a total score for your group. What what they want to achieve? Yeah. That every what? every person can choose which which hole they want to go through, and that hole is associated with some points. Okay. You can use the same hole multiple times. Oh. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, you don't have to do one hole and it's closed like we're it. used to. So everyone is then now involved in that choice of how many in a points they get. So are they motivated by points or are they motivated by this is what I feel safe doing? Mm. So now it's there's when we've been watching this, this group dynamics of somebody says, oh, we can get everybody through the 400. Mm -hmm. And is do they force people into discomfort mm. and pressure them into doing something they're not comfortable doing? So, that, so basically that first step is before you do an official scoring attempt, you have to provide a, a, a total score for everybody in your group. And now what happens from here is pretty cool. You, then you let them at it. Now they start to practice. They start to look around at what's possible. Maybe they're checking in with people. Maybe hopefully people are speaking up. Um, what are you comfortable with? And then they start stepping through. They start to see if they can get themselves through the smaller holes or yeah, the big hole's easy, it's obvious it's easy, but is it easy? Mm. Do they go through and then touch? Oh, you touched, you know, do they, if they do it completely by themselves without anybody watching or helping, then there's gonna, there may be a problem. Now when they're ready to lift, then we give instructions. So uh, the LOPs on the course that I work with uh, will be... What's an LOP? LOP is the local operating procedure of that course. Oh, okay. okay. So each course will have a written description of basically what they require around each activity, minimums, general things that they do. So our LOP is, is there has to be three people on each side minimum when they uh, begin to lift someone, and it is nose up head first through the hole. That's our LOP, okay. based on data that we know. That's one of the best ways to put someone through a hole and mitigate some of the risk of lifting and moving somebody through. Gotcha. Right, so LOPs. And the facilitator has to be near the head and shoulders for okay. spotting purposes. So now we talk to them and we say, okay, you're gonna move someone through a hole. 
what are, what are your expectations? How would you like to be lifted? What do you want to see? Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's important. We don't want to drop you. So then we tell, th- we basically let them create the norms on how they want to lift each other. Mm-hmm. And then as a facilitator, we're listening. 90% of the time, they'll get everything they need. Right. They, they've, be, they've empowered themselves. We are, if you use that word, empower the group to create that, they come up with what they expect to do. Right. Because they want it. They're asking for what they want. And then if they miss something, you are there to offer, have you thought about this? Exactly. And what about that? And so, therefore, you've, you've covered everything from a liability point of view, and you're still keeping everybody yes. safe. So now... They start to practice, and they lit. They're ch- checking out holes, and they're touching, and they're, you know, in they're trying to find out uh, how they can do things. So it's really cool to watch how they negotiate, how they show, how they lift each, how they take care of each other. So what I'm seeing when I'm observing this is now people are kind of getting a little more comfortable with, ooh, yeah, they can lift, or no, they can't, or they're fooling around too much. Or, yeah, this is probably too small for me. I'd rather have a bigger one. Um, Their perception of their size and can they fit through a hole. When somebody says, hey, you can fit through that and you don't think you can fit through that, how are you talking to each other? So this whole experimental or exploration process has been so fascinating Hmm. to watch because it's giving them data on what they then will choose as a score or a hole or an opening for themselves. So this is a real neat way to see how they plan through an idea and then they have to come up with a goal. So everybody then is given the choice to say, here's my opening. Now, are they pressured? Are are people making them do what they don't want? So then we look for this. We look for their hesitation. Do we say, is that, are you sure that's the score that you, is that the opening that you want? You're, You're okay with that. Okay, all right. Now we tell them before they start their scoring round. Um, so they're ready, they have their plan. If you wanna take, I like to go around and ask everybody what they're doing. You got your hole, what's your role and responsibility? Are you gonna be lifting at all? Um, are you? How are you gonna watch? So we get the idea of what we're doing during the activity. And then I say, when you go through a hole, if anyone touches the web, any part of the structure that will be minus 50 points off of the score that you have for that hole. Do they have that information when they're setting their goal or You not? can provide it either before okay. or after. Okay. Um, I've seen it both ways. I like after because mm. then they go, oh, oh now <laughs> right? there's new information. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that likes to give information kind of spread it out a little bit versus all in one big giant chunk because right. we forget things. So now they've gotten some things out of their way and out of their head. Now we give them that new information. Okay, now if you touch, there's gonna to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. So again, you a facilitator preference. You could do it before or you could do it after. It just kind of depends on how you want to approach it. And then to me, when I when we first did this, a touch was a zero. Then you got then you went to zero. Oh, so you had to start all the way over. But to me, it Yikes. was too much to make up. Yeah, especially if that's the last person right, if to it's go. it's a 400 and they get zero. So if I'm going, and that's also the order, is what I've heard people say, hey, let's, you, let's give a little leeway. Let's get a couple hundreds in there in case somebody touches, then maybe we could do a different hole with a person. Because mm-hmm. they, before their turn, they have a choice to change their opening if they would like. Okay. So now it comes to 
um, making up for s something that was lost. Right. If someone didn't achieve their goal, how do we as a team support our overall goal? Right. Do we feel comfortable enough changing or doing something different to help the team? Right. Right. So now we have these individual ideas. How do we then, ooh, shoot. But if it goes down to zero and then it was just too much, I'm seeing that what they weren't able to make it up. Right. So now any one touch, and then it's not like, oh, zero, drop the person. Right. Because it, let's not finish. <laughs> let's be more careful. Right. Right. Versus we still have points. Let's not lose any more points. Right. So that new, something that just evolved over this last summer was, that was pretty cool. Because then it's like, oh, shoot, we lost 50. Okay, next person, can, any, can you make these up? Can we change your hole? Now we get a little pressure, right? And are you feeling comfortable to say, okay, I feel com I've seen you work. I trust you. I think you can lift me through. You know, so now there's more information. Mm -hmm. Now we can change our minds a little bit if we want to. Or we say, no, I really just, I want to do it this time. Right. And we go through this process at facilitators always near the head and shoulders when people are going through, stop anything that we see is, is not uh, safe or is uh, above and beyond what they need to be doing, right? We're, we're monitoring this. And when they're finished, we look at their goal. Did they reach their goal? Did they come short of their goal? Did they exceed their goal? Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen anybody exceed their goal. Okay. It's usually lose points and try to get back to their goal versus, hey, we could do more. Let's just go over our goal. Mm. Uh, so I haven't seen that yet. Huh. But what comes into play then is then we go again. Okay, say, so Let's look at this. Let's let's review what happened. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel about the activity? If we were to do this again, let's you could say if we are, or you could say we're going to do this one more time. Hmm. I want another group goal. You can decide whether it's going to be the same, whether it's going to be different. You want to lower your goal because some people will have that high goal up front. It's, it exceeds their right. skills and abilities. Mm -hmm. They may lower their goal and be more realistic. So now this is the whole replanning do it again um, the second time usually goes faster because they've worked out the bugs right they've, and, and have some experience they've had that experience now. they've collected some data it's been just a great great process to watch all those different pieces are different problems to solve different things to work through so it seems to be very engaging versus the idea of pick a hole go through it the next person pick up. There's more to it. It's yeah. more intriguing, and it becomes a really cool thing to talk about in the end of all the things that they went through. Yeah. So for me, I guess I would be kind of curious in the debrief, like what are some of the conversations that they have around? How does this apply back to the real world? Like, what are some just other than like goal achievement and things like that? What are some of the, you know, what are some of the things that they're sharing in the debrief about this experience and how they're relating it back to? like working in a team and, and, and things like that. Do you mind sharing a few things along those lines? What I've been observing is around that pressure. Mm, a lot of this piece. is about um, feeling you need to do what people are telling you even though you're uncomfortable. Okay. Especially with the groups that I am working with at this moment in time, a lot of them feel very pressured to be high performers. Mm -hmm. So if they choose a hundred, versus 400, they've now feel like they're not contributing enough. Mm. 
How about you, Michelle? What is one of your reinvigorated classics? What have, what have you been excited about? Well, what I like about what you just shared is that you had a, a specific need for an activity uh, or a specific need for a topic that surfaced a specific behavior. And so, you know, and that reinventing, reinvigorating that classic of the spiderweb that we've done hundreds of times now has new life in it for you. And so for me, if I think about, you know, some of the work that I'm currently doing and when I've been asked like, hey, I need an activity that will do this. And it's a specific ask. You're like, sometimes it's good to go back and look at some of the classics that we've done forever. And is there a new way that you can breathe new life into it? So for me, I will, <laughs> I have admitted on previous blog um, blog posts as well as podcasts that I have never really loved the key punch activity. And so the key punch activity, for those of you that it's new to, is a series of numbers from 1 through 25 or 1 through 30 or how, whatever, 1 through something, um, however how you, your number set goes. And then you set the numbers 20 feet away or so from the group and then you create a starting line where everyone starts behind it you tell them you're going to do a timed event. You're going to time them how long it takes them to go out and touch the numbers in sequence 1 through 25 as quickly as they can. And then everybody will run back over the finish line and that will be your baseline time. And you usually give them three attempts. So the first time is usually longer. The second time is a little bit faster. And then the third time is usually more streamlined. So it's a great activity for process, process improvement, improvement. Yeah, and, and yeah. things like that. But I just have never loved it. I think I, early on in my facilitation career, I had a couple of groups that were really resistant to it. And there was one particular corporate group, I remember this one woman that she just was like, I am, I am not running. And I, she, you know, like she was one of those that was voluntold to be there and did not want to be there. And her behaviors um, really impacted the success of the group. And so finally I was like, well, why do I even have, what, I mean, maybe this just is not an appropriate activity for me to choose. If I'm getting this much opposition from it and I don't like it, they don't like it. Like I have lots of others that I could choose from. So I just didn't do it for a really long time. And then I thought, well, let's look at it a little bit differently. And so I went to this great workshop put on by Chris Cavert at, Oh, I think I was at that one. <laughs> you were, you were at that one. Um, and Chris was doing a workshop using alphabet letters. So we all, small groups sat around a table top and we had letters A through Z face up in front of us around our group. And then we each were assigned certain letters of the alphabet. And then we had to um, turn the letters over A through Z as quickly as we could. And we were each assigned several of the numbers. So we were seated there at the table and then A through Z and it just, it was, it was just a very different experience than the running out and touching and then the running back and the timing. It's basically the same thing, but it was a little, it just felt different. And then what happened? So I was like, okay, it's key punch, but seated. Okay, I can appreciate that. But then the variation, the twist that came next is really what me got, is really what got me excited about reinvigorating and changing key punch to something different. Because in variation one, of course, you got very used to where your numbers or your letters were. I knew exactly where they were so I could strategize. I was very quick at, you know, turning over my letter cards. And then all of a sudden Chris goes, okay, great. Well, now you've been hired up in the organization or, or promoted in the organization. You now have to train somebody else how to do your job and you're going to be receiving a new task. 
and I was like, oh, I got very attached to my numbers, you know, <laughs> or my letters. And I was like, but I really like, oh, now I have to teach somebody. And now I have to. So not only was I teaching somebody else how to do a task that I was already really gifted and good at, but I also had to learn a new task at the exact same time. Um, and then we still had to perform as a team and an organization. And oh my gosh, that process just made me go, oh, I see so many good applications for this because I often get requests from teams, from corporate teams and other teams around coaching, around um, you know delegation, delegating a task or a job to other people. And so this all of a sudden I was like, I knew what it felt like for me in the moment. And I was like, and that's exactly what I had been needing or looking for, or just that paradigm shift, if you will, of that activity that I've kind of just like labeled as my non-favorite. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can really fall in love with that. Because what in that process, what it did is it surfaced a different behavior for me than just process improvement. Now I have something that I can do with coaching and what I can do with with um, delegation and, and things like that, that I teach in some of you know, my leadership courses and and training new leaders or emerging leaders and that's very different than just process improvement so so that's my variation um chris calls it the pangram project because then the step three in that activity was then to give um it's called the pangram project because the pangram is a phrase that uses every letter of the alphabet and so, for example, like the quick brown fox jumps over a lazy dog. That's like, it's like 36 letters um, total in the sentence, but it uses all of the letters of the alphabet. So, so, um, so then you could have the group turn over, not just A through Z um, in sequential order, but what you could do then is have them actually spell out the words that make up the sentence the quick brown fox jumps over a lazy dog and that changes it even again. So so that's for me, that's a reinvigorating the classic of key punch that I never really fell in love with to begin with. And now it makes me just look at it so much different. So you could use your letter tiles as anything you want. There's jumbo bananagrams or the crowd words by Matthew Broda and Trevor Dunlap. They've got a fantastic set of big letter tiles that are about, the letters are about three inches by three inches or four inches by four inches. They're, they're good size letters. So that would be great props to use. You can even just, I mean, if if you're traveling and TSA loses your luggage, that which has happened to me before, use a deck of index cards and a marker and just make your own. So you could do it totally on the fly, um, on, you know, on the, um, on the cheaper budget, or you could invest in something that's, um, plastic or durable or nicer or whatever, whatever you, whatever you prefer. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, you just brought up that great point where you could make your own letter tiles on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy, easy to do. Uh, we will have the descriptions to both of these reinvigorated activities mm -hmm. in the show notes. There'll be a link to the, some fun doing blog posts with details for both of these, but we hope you try them because we've both had some, just, it's so fun to breathe life into older things mm -hmm. because there's so much we already know. And by just looking at it differently, we can really get to more targeted behaviors 
if we focus on how it works. Yeah, and there's also some great videos that will go with a few of those as well. So be sure to go check out the links in the show notes and, uh, and please drop us a note on what your reinvigorated classic activity would be. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris About Team Building.